So we are back in the room once again. You're here with Jack and Sean and you ain't heard nothing yet. And this evening we have a very, very talented individual. He's a self-made artist. He started off with uh, posting videos on online. He has two critically acclaimed albums, one of which my personal favorite, Bluebird, which was out in 2018. Some fantastic EPs, some spine-tingling singles. The EP, of course, uh, most recently out, Act Two, Big Walk. You may have recently heard him at the sound of Belfast. He's no karate kid, but he is indeed a musical maestro. It is, of course, Leo Mayagi. Leo, how are you? Hi, guys. How's it going? Good, sir. Oh, good. Man. How are you this evening? Um, I'm very, very good. Um, I'm, pl- I'm pleased to be um, on this podcast. I asked around about you guys whenever you guys asked me to come onto this podcast, and I heard nothing but good things about you guys. So, <laughs> Oh, you flatter us. You make me blush. You make me blush. <laughs> So I suppose we're just going to jump in. Um, realistically, just, just I suppose, who are you, um, where are you from, um, and sort of what's your story? Right, I'm a 23-year-old hip-hop artist, um, soon to be 24, next week, December 3rd. I'm, I spent half my life in London and half my life in Belfast. I, I just feel like I have a, a lot of um, stories to tell. Mm. I've been through a lot as well, you know, typically. As same same with most musicians, um, and I feel like um, not only that I have a lot of stories to tell, but I feel like the way I I, I can tell them is uh, the most important part of all this and why the biggest reason why I do this. Okay, um, and you're you're originally from Zimbabwe. Sort of yeah. filter into your music at all? It does. Um, I'm still um educating myself on that on on the culture there because um. Um, I didn't, I realistically, I just didn't spend much time there, but so I, I have to educate myself to go about it, like actively educating myself on the, on the culture there. And uh, my mom does a good job of that. And so does the rest of my family who are all in the UK. And um, so I'm still um, not really that like as um, culturally fluent as I should be, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best and I'm educating myself. It's something that I've taken upon myself to do recently. Yeah. Very good, and, very good. and and it really does and it has um filtered through my music a lot like a lot um especially lately with the most recent releases since 2018 um like akula lek for example that's that's some my home language mm-hmm. even in the this uh there's a there's a track i have on um act two it's called probably and uh one of the melodies in the background of that is 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 in my native tongue as well so it's just started to filter through as well i feel like um a lot and i'm tr- I'm gonna try and incorporate it a lot more the more i learn and the more culturally fluent i become absolutely very cool i suppose sort of alongside that then you think as you say you were uh, lived in london for a while before you moved to belfast you think that sort of moving around is also sort of giving you maybe different perspectives as an artist that maybe people who have lived in the one place all their life haven't in the same um, way I think so. I think so because um, it's like so. What is it? It's like twelve years in London, and then like what is it now? Ten years plus in in Belfast, and then um, even during that ten years plus, I, I would move back and forth from London and Belfast because I couldn't settle. So it 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 has, and it's like I'm really like now Belfast is like I'm really ingrained in that culture, and um, even when I go back to London, it's like I have to re-familiarize myself. So it's like, um, 
it's like I, I feel like good that I've been able to experience so many different points of views and so many different paces of life because in, in England it's a lot it's a much faster pace of life and then over here it's a much slower pace of life and um and and not only that like you know the way people think and the way people talk and like mannerisms and even like um turns of phrase all of that like has helped influence me so and I would say like um uh like Zimbabwe London and Belfast have all like equally influenced my like um writing and um my style especially um equally like all in their own ways I suppose then in, in sort of parallel or alongside that sort of culture like geographical influences what about you personally like your musical journey where did that start it started off and it was just like a me and a couple of friends and we'd be um at the estate that we grew up in and um in, in south london and we'd just be rapping we'd always have a speaker and we had like um the, them little Sony Ericsson phones and we'd always be sitting at the back of the bus and we just like and my friends would be making like you know these really like like trashy beats on like garage band and we had a studio in 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 school as well because I spent um eight, like the first like um the majority of the first two years of high school in England as well so we had like the studio in the high school I went to it was called Rutledge Boys High School and I was also in South London and like um and then it just started off like I I I basically started off doing grime because that's 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 what everybody was doing yeah. where I was at, at that time. And then whenever I moved over here, it was like a much slower pace of life. So I I it's like, and everybody else was actually doing hip hop instead of grime. They've only just started doing grime over here recently. So like, do you know what I mean? So so that's how I ended up doing hip hop. So yeah, that's 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 how my journey pretty much started. Just mucking about my friends and then um i came over here and i started taking more serious okay and in terms of like you know actual like artists who would you have listened to growing up would it have been more of like from a from like a hip-hop side of things would it have been grime or sort of who really sort of did you sort of get your real taste for i suppose so i got i went through phases so the first so the first very 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 first like phase of me properly being into music would have been from like when I was like 12 to 14 years old and that was all grime and UK hip-hop artists like grime for in terms of Getz if, you, if you've heard of him he used to be called Ghetto back then Rex32, Chipmunk, Ice Kid, um, Wiley, um, Skepta, Kano, Devlin I, I remember um, I used to love a lot of Devlin back then um, he had this um EP called Pod Sweat and Biz. I I still play it up to this day sometimes, you know. Yeah, but um, and then that was like me from twelve to fourteen, and then from like fourteen to like uh eighteen, I went through like a real, real like conscious hip hop phase, and I was listening to J Electronica. I was listening to Lupe Fiasco. I I remember I went through J Electronica's whole discography before he anybody even knew about him. And then I went through um, Lupe Fiasco's whole discography. Um, I went through um, uh, Jay-Z's whole discography, Back to Front. I went through Nas's discography, Back to Front. I went through um, Tupac's discography, Biggie's discography. 
I just went through like a real like golden era slash conscious hip hop phase because um some of it couldn't really be classed as conscious hip hop because some of the Tupac's older stuff was like you know maybe like gangster rap even yeah. though I don't yeah. take any influence from that but like I can still see like the beauty in it and then that was me from like 14 to like you know 18 whatever and then um whenever like I turned 19 that's when I got into like weirder music you know I was listening to stuff like Kid Cudi his old stuff and then I was listening to like um some of Kanye's maybe weirder stuff and I was listening to like because that's when he was going for a weird phase and then um I was listening to a lot of weird music even in the UK as well like MIA some of her music is very like you know um unconventional so um yeah, I, 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 and then um, now I just listen. I like everything. I like some some days I'll be listening to Frank Sinatra all day long, and then some days um, I'll be listening to I don't know ACDC. Like it's just weird and Pink Floyd as well. I, I don't know. I, I, I now I just like anything that like because I feel like I can learn something from everything, every yeah. kind of yeah. music. I suppose it's a situation whereby it's, you know, you're just, you're consuming as much music and as much content as possible to sort of, you know, draw influence from it and uh, to see the way different people work and maneuver different things, I suppose. Yeah. I do think sort of, would it be right in saying, definitely in some of your tracks anyway, I think it's sort of like that classic hip hop sound, but with a real modern sort of twist and nearly like, as you say, those other influences sort of bringing that to bear from maybe other genres and other maybe non hip hop artists. Is that, do you think, is that something consciously you try to bring to the music or... Is that just, as you say yourself, just you're taking in all this music and it kind of just bleeds out sort of thing? My creative process would be like, I would listen to, because I, lo- I love l- l- like hearing new sounds because I'm always trying to like, like whatever I do, it's like I try and put like a different twist. I try and say it in a different way. I try and deliver it in a different way. Like, like, all, like all the way down to like each syllable sometimes, like it's just weird well that's the way I, I operate but um so but like at the same time it's like on top of like digesting all this music and search of hearing new, new sounds and new things that people do with their voices right I would also like isolate myself to a point where it's like for like three months straight it's like I would like the amount of music I would listen to would be like very 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 minimal sometimes it'd be like maybe like half an hour to like an hour of listening to music a day when it, whereas like other times I'd listen to music all day long and then at that point I'll be in like writing mode and even at that the music I'd, I'd be listening to I'd purposely go out of my way to make sure it's not you know in no way related to the genre that I'm mm. you know um currently working on and the reason I do that is so that I can get the most authentic sounding and the most original sounding take of whatever it is that I'm trying to do on that specific song or track or project just to sort of send on that sort of point about how things sound and that sort of like attention to like detail in terms of like even specific syllables and stuff. I think you're like definitely clearly a absolutely brilliant wordsmith in all your tracks and like a brilliant lyricist is were you ever involved in anything sort of on that side outside of music, like poetry or spoken word stuff? Yep. Yep. A lot of, a lot of um, poetry, a lot of spoken word. Yeah. That came cause I, I was like si- singing and like taking singing lessons in in like class, you no know, in school, and writing poetry before I was like rapping or even like spitting bars or anything like that. So poetry is probably like my very very 
first love in terms of like lyrics or words or whatever. And then like my love for, you know, rhythm and poetry obviously overtook that. But like, yeah, I, I, I always like try and keep as much of that um poetic side, you know, in it because I feel like you can make music that's musical and still have like, you know, the fundamentals of hip hop because I feel like a lot of people, you know, um, mistake that or not mistake that, but just sort of toss it away or toss it aside in um in exchange for melodies yeah. for you know melodics yeah. nowadays and um that's okay but i feel like you can do both so that's why i'm like i'm really trying to tweak right now and you know i if it was up to me i'd just be like you know your conventional rap song with like your choruses but everybody wants more you know melodies and more musicality mm-hmm. in the hip-hop nowadays and I'm okay with that. I can adapt. So I try and um, still be original, still have my own take, whatever, but still incorporate the fundamentals of, you know, rhythm and poetry. But yeah, a lot of um, spoken word poetry influence in that. Very cool. So I want to ask you about, uh, we're obviously in a very strange time at the moment. I mean, are you missing, are you missing not being able to gig? We've seen you obviously at Sound of Belfast, um, you done in the uh, Ulster Sports Club. And it was brilliant. We both watched watched what we could anyway. And uh, it was brilliant in terms of obviously your singing and just the way it was shot and everything. But are you missing gigging or I suppose what's your biggest, you know, miss from 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 being a, at a gig? Yeah, I am. I am missing gigging. Just the live energy, um, the reaction from the crowd. Because we like pride ourselves on, like especially me and my keyboardist, we like runs my band or like helps you know whatever organize everything or like the technicalities of it because he practically carries it but like mm-hmm. um we pride mm-hmm. ourselves and like anytime we step out onto that stage we're we're like a step better or have progressed or are more polished than we were mm-hmm. last time and like like that's like the bare minimum like that's like a must for every each and every gig and that's why um yeah, that's why I have so much confidence in the band because they're so adaptable and they're so professional and whatever. And also, it, it, it their standards help me raise my own standards as well. So, tell me this: Can you remember, like, you know, your first ever gig, or how did you sort of like get a start out or like recognized? I suppose. Um, I think I I still haven't been recognized. Um, <laughs> but but. Um, the way I started out was like uh, the John Sue, like I don't know if you guys remember John Sue, but he did like a, a gig at um, Voodoo, and it was like his like coming home party whatever, and he just dropped that album with um that single I was born in Belfast, and um, he he was like okay, he put up a status and all, and he was like ah oh, was it something like I'm gonna let the people decide who's going to be the supporting act or whatever. So he says, post whatever links you think should be supporting act in the comments. And then everybody posted a bunch of links. And then my friend, um, you actually know him. His name is William Thompson, the comedian. I don't know if you guys know him. <laughs> we were chatting at the, the with the Cena Mansion online of you and William Thompson performing again. We're like, oh, is that him? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's literally that's William Thompson. He um 
posted that video in the comments and then um John C liked it and then a bunch of other people in the comments section liked it and then that's how I ended up like doing a gig for him and then I was like yo this was pretty fun I could get used to this so <laughs> I, I decided to just you know like actively pursue it instead of just like putting videos of me rapping in my bedroom up online okay yeah was it obviously that must have been pretty cool to sort of have that uh, recognition from someone more established and like that endorsement as well at the same time? Well, at the same time, sort of yeah. from the local sort of community at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it was it was nice at the time. It was it was um, a good experience. Nothing ever really came from it, from that specific opportunity. Um, we just sort of did it then went our separate ways. So it was nice at the time, and it was just a good learning experience. But um, it, it it made me more hungry for everything else that had to come Mm -hmm. i suppose sort of tying into that in recent years the sort of hip-hop sort of music in on the island of ireland as a whole as you touched on earlier it was sort of behind uh london and all places like that but there's sort of that scene sort of has become it's definitely grown in recent years yeah do you think it's harder for somebody performing in sort of that sort of genre of music to get a start in north or south on the Isle of Ireland or is it easier now or how has it changed? I think it's incredibly difficult for somebody um, in the north of Ireland to get a start. Um, there's just no support structures or footholds or agents or near enough labels or labels that know what they're doing. Yeah. Just so many things that they have down south and in or majority of the cities in England that they don't, that they don't have in the north. They have see like I don't want to want it to seem like I'm bashing the, the scene the scene okay. in the north. It's not. It's like it's it's got literally all of that in abundance for every single other genre just except hip hop. Is yeah. the only stuff. Yeah. You released your first album 2018, um, Bluebird. Yeah. It's pretty well received. And I suppose the question is, what did that feel like to release that sort of completed product and to have it be well received to sort of, as you say, go from posting videos online of you in your bedroom to then having this sort of completed product that you've worked on and you finished and to have people really love it? Um, it just felt really good. And, and it was a really, really encouraging moment because um, like that was all self-funded, bought all the beats you know, negotiated with all the producers and then also created bonds and partnerships with some of the producers. Like I now, I, from those, from that that project, I still work with them to today. Like we've got like still working relationships, healthy relationships till today. So it was just like a real like learning experience. And it was like my first time, like learning how to maneuver. And the whole time I was, while I was doing it, I was like watching online how like um other people have done it. Like independent artists and how they've maneuvered and how they've done what and yada 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 and um they were saying stuff like learn how to do things yourself learn how to haggle um learn how to all these different you know um small aspects that just go up into making the full product and um it was a lot of nipsey hustle hustle videos i was watching as well that helped me you know um get into that mindset of like you know self-producing and making all these things myself and it becomes like a venture 
all the aspects of it, like the thematic aspects, like the art and like the visual themes, the aesthetics, all of that, like that becomes a part of it. And I would go into like, you know, incorporating more and more of that like later on. But um, yeah, it was just a really, really good um, learning experience. And um, I would say it was the most rewarding experience mm-hmm. of any of those uh, things I've put out like musically. Totally. Uh, just to touch on what you said there about the sort of doing stuff yourself was something I always find interesting when artists go to that sort of to work on that first album that more produced side of things did you get involved with the production side of it or was that did you find that challenging to have all those more options maybe no because I've I, I mixed and um did all the vocal production and then actual actually the final mix and the actual final master myself for all of Bluebird, all of it, yeah. and then, and I was only still learning then, and then, so that was like that. That wasn't even challenging. That was like a really enjoyable part of it. And yeah. I, it, my intention when I was doing it was just like have fun with it and make it sound listenable, right? That's like, that's like you have to do those two main things, and then if you do that, right? However, people receive it, they receive it. Just like have fun. And then make it sound listenable, and then those are my two goals. So, and um, they actually spurred me on. It wasn't challenging at all. It was actually pretty enjoyable. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely was very listenable, very enjoyable. So you were also signed to uh, District prior to it folding. How did you find that experience, sort of working with it? Yeah, that was pretty good. That was that was a uh, that was before the Bluebird. That was actually um, late 2017 till early 2018 so this this would have been like three four five months before bluebird but like from the very first like moment i knew i was going to be signed with them i started working on a project like an original project and it was supposed to be like rolled out with them and um that was going to be bluebird so it it had been in the works from like that very moment like october 2017 but um when i was signed with them it was like really rewarding because it was like i i got an ep launching all with like red bull music academy all this other stuff like in hangar and that was like unreal like i was like wow and but um i learned very quickly that you need to like handle the promotion side of it and you need to like build you know um before you can do certain things like that because i was a big, big gamble they took and like we didn't sell as many tickets as um we just just didn't sell as many tickets as yeah. we would so that was pretty bad but um after that, we had like maybe like over the next eight months about eleven shows, and it was just mad. Like it was just a mad time. It was like every like every other show was just like a headline show, or it was like a really prestigious place. So we did the Hangar, and then we did Grand Social, and then we did like flipping um, Sugar Club, and then we did Prescription in Limerick. What else? Oh, uh, there was there was a there was a couple. <laughs> too many to count. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 not too many to count. Just I don't remember for the life of me because it's they were all down south. But um, it was a lot of fun. It was it was a, a oh, and I met Open Mike Eagle and all. Oh, it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and um, it also was like the amount of pressure, as well mm-hmm. that came with that was like um, the real kicker because it was like. At the first show I, I did, it was like, yo, this is way bigger than Belfast. Yo, this venue's da 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 It was just like, and the pressure was just like, and everybody was 
who performed like like I, I turned up to my own EP launch and, and all my opening acts were just like tight and solid as fuck and I was like holy <laughs> shit <laughs> I, was like, I was like holy shit so I went on and I'm not gonna lie to you I bombed I bombed oh, and listen I bombed right and then from that moment on it's like each show I was just getting better and better and tighter and better and then by the time it came down to like Limerick like and we did prescription that was unreal because it was like I says I was like going back and forth for like um the actual um editor or like the guy who ran district recorders I was like yo put me on last I want to change my set I want to put loads of energy in it because they were like you should do like loads of bangers and loads of grime and loads of trap and whatever so yeah, yeah, I said yeah. so so he finally agreed he put me on last and then it was like a 40 minute set and I remember like I was just like drenched in sweat and it was just like this sweat box and it was like 200 people like pat like right up to the stage and i remember i performed like with the most energy i ever performed with and i was like holy shit and then that was like the moment when i was like finally like overcame that like moment of like in the in the, you know it was in because i'd overcome it already but like it was still in the back of my head and then oh, from that moment i was like oh. right okay now i've wiped it from everybody's memories like me bombing <laughs> that like ep launch and then the next thing after that was like open my eagle and then that was like like and at that point i was like brimming with confidence so that so then that ended up actually being the best performance i like give down south and all and then when i came off the stage like like right hand to god like milo and open my eagle who i was both open up for milo was like oh your flow your flow is unreal and then open my eagle was like you're the truth you're the fucking truth and all this and i was like unreal and i was just like it was like that was like a surreal moment so that was like yeah and then that was like my adventures with district recordings i'm sad it folded because i feel like we could have got up to a lot more and yeah. like in a in a very very short amount of time and you also um i i, I was i couldn't believe that i had found this video and i was like this is fucking fantastic you were down in rte with moshe a while ago as well um yeah and like I just, I just like obviously he's sort of the big guy in RTE for 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 hip hop and for rap music. Um, how did you find that? Yeah. I mean, that's like sort of Ireland's biggest broadcaster. Like, what was that like? Lucky enough, the day and the time I did it, I knew nothing about that show and nothing about Mo K. I just went in like thinking it was like because that was my very very first day with District Recordings down south. Wow. Okay. And um. And we performed at something called something lane. I don't know what it was called. Something lane. Ah, I don't remember for the life of me, but it's like a lane, and um, and that was after the RT freestyle, like the RT cipher. So oh. I I knew I was coming down for those two things. And then when we did both of those two things, I, it completely I was just like like a little kid because. <laughs> I, like number one, I'd never been to Dublin before, and number two, it was my first time down there, and we're going down there for what I thought was gonna be like, you know, like a big, you know, you know, step up from where I was at that point, and you know, making music. It didn't turn out like that, obviously, but like, you know how it goes. And um, so I was just like, so like, just gawking at everything and just like, you know, amazed and everything, and. Um, I, I wasn't even paying attention to it. When I got up, I just had fun with it on the mic in, when we performed at the actual venue. And then whenever we was in the RTE thing, I came with some pre-writings. And then when we got in there, I just ended up just having fun with it as well. So it wasn't like, it didn't end up 
being scary at all. It was only like afterwards I found out and I was like, holy shit, like, is that a big deal? They were like, yeah, that's a big deal. And I was like, what? <laughs> Brilliant. Something else you seem to have fun with your the videos and the visuals you do for your track, your songs. They're right. I, I, I'm going to mispronounce this, so please. Uh, the video for Akulalake, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and Redlock yeah. uh, are both two yeah. brilliant ones. Is that is that you? Is there guys you work on in the videos? How do they come about? How do you come up with the ideas? Like, it's yeah, it's always um me between me and then the director of the video. So for all of the videos, right up until um Bob Ross Road and Jeff Hardy, it was um me and this guy Tulu, Tulu Films. On Instagram, um, and he was the main guy who we'd come up with all these. He he like um essentially shot and edited Akulalek, and then he came up with the plan for Freeform Dreadlock Champion with me, and uh, he even helped me out with that video. Everything like down to the T, and like he planned everything out for that video. That was actually his idea, all his idea. And then um, Free Smoke, like I don't know if you guys have seen the video for Free Smoke OG Kung Fu. Where it's like essentially me in a car in a car park. Yeah. And, um, that was um to Lou as well. Um what else? Uh and then the video for Motion Sick, that was um to Lou as well. You know, the one where we were in um where is it? Uh that place in the north coast, what's it called? Uh Port Rush. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen that one. And there's like a carousel and everything. Um that was Tulu as well. And then, you know, the latest two, Bob, Bob Ross Mode and Jeff Hardy, they've been the first two where it's like, um, it was a different producer. And, um, but Tulu still had a hand a little bit in each of them. So, yeah, that's pretty much. You see your video that you shot in, in the car park. And, you know, you were sort of, there was a lot of sort of looking out and there was obviously, you know, two of you was that like a self-reflection thing or sort of what was like your sort of input maybe into that um situation oh we, we, the one in um Akulalek when i'm when there's two of me looking at each other yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i don't even know what what that was he, he just threw he just threw that in there to me was like yo I, there's this effect i can do i was like i was like show me and then he did it i was like yo that's sick he put it in there put it in there and then I, I don't think it had a meaning if i'm honest like Okay. I, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you. That was all his idea. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a very um creative guy. That to me, you guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the videos are great, and I think like they're so all of them like so like fit each of the songs just so so perfectly. Really? Yeah. Also, wait, we, yeah, we do. We both love them. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank you. over here, to be honest. <laughs> um. So you released a follow-up album in 2019. And I sort of just wondering, did you feel more pressure coming, you know, into the second album? You know, everybody says for artists, so the dreaded second album. Did you feel pressure or did it just sort of float? No, I didn't feel any pressure (laughs) because I didn't feel as if I'd um, accomplished anything. To be fair, whenever I put out Bluebird um, and then whenever I put out FFDOC, Mm. at that point, it's like, I was like, you know, like just come out from like a proper dream and like locking myself in from an album process so like my comfort confidence in my head whatever was like brimming at that point but even at that point I still hadn't achieved nothing even after dropping that so um 
I, I didn't feel pressure because it's like whenever I go into album mode, it's like uh, it's like I have to like sort of like coach myself like mentally whatever get myself in a mindset because it's like where it's like how do I explain it it's like it's like so it's like okay so this is the best way to explain it is it's like the reason why I don't feel pressure when making the music I only feel pressure whenever I'm putting the music out there and seeing how people react to it and whether people are actually tuning in and listening to it or not that's the only reason that's the only time I feel pressure because that there is what, as a musician, affects me the most in terms of my confidence and whether or not I think the music's good and that's whether the people are tuning in or not, right? So um, I didn't feel pressure from, yeah, yeah, and then I never do. But I would like to explain that process one, at one point or at some point. I suppose then, bring it more up to date, uh, July this year, but I'd sort of that sequel EP, um, yeah. back to uh, Big Walk, is the sound in that EP definitely seems to be like something different sort of from your other stuff. Is that intentional or is that just sort of more creative outlet with EPs? Or That, that, that is intentional. It's because um, with Act 1, because um, uh, I don't know if you guys see, nobody's heard Act 1. That just goes to show how bad it was. Right? Oh, Nobody even knows it exists, right? But no, I'm okay with that. You live and you learn, do you know what I mean? But um so with at one, it was like the same where it's like I was trying more experimental sounds, more we were like trying to like merge like the you know um the retro and the contemporary together and just make it sound um just and just make it sound cohesive. And um we didn't really get that done on um act one so act two um i just decided um i was gonna change everything completely because it's still it's actually believe it or not the same producer I've, as i've been working with for all these years his name's Rashawn gibson and he's all over bluebird and ffdlc and act one whatever so um and he just had has a whole different selection of beats so i says you know what, I want to try a completely different sounding um, style sonically. Um, and and uh, that's what we did. And, and and also it was like, that's how I felt as well. My head was a bit fried as well. I don't know if you can hear it in Act 2, but my head was a bit fried. So it's like, uh, it was also cathartic as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my Act 2 is... Um, for me, Batman. But I know Sean is a fan of Jeff Hardy, and he, we we chatted about this before we came on. We didn't know Sean didn't Sean didn't know whether to ask you or not. Are you are you are you a fan of wrestling? Because Sean, well, yes, 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 I am. Yes, I am. A big fan and uh, massive fan of Jeff Hardy as well. In fact, when you mentioned William Pound, I think it was the last time we would have saw him. We were piled into another friend of his house to watch wrestling one night in January when we were all going to do that. Yeah, but I, I would be well in, well up for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, hip hop as a whole then is like historically it's very political sort of genre. Do you think that sort of social commentary is that something that's important to you as like a creative or when you're writing? It it is. It's like um, because especially recently everybody asked me in every interview and um, 
everywhere I go about it. And um, so I, I, whether you like it or not, like, especially as a hip hop artist, because, you know, it's a time where all of them, black culture is being, you know, sort of a magnifying glass put on it. Um, so if you're a hip hop artist as well, they'll be like, what do you stand for? You know what I mean? Is it beneficial, do you know what I mean, to like the overall, that, I don't know if that's happening everywhere else, but it was something a little bit that's happened over here. Like, is it beneficial to the movement as a whole? And I'm like, that's that's actually a very good thing. And um, that's like something that would have happened back in the 90s in America, but it doesn't happen so often now. Um, so yeah, I, I would, because I a lot of my, and but this is the thing, this is the thing. This is something I purposely did with Act 2, where it's like, I am always in my head about politics and always in my head about the state of the world and current affairs and goings on and things like that, right? Um, and all of my music and all of my projects have been, you know, referring and touching on politics one way or another up until Act 2. So Act 2, I was like, the world is sick and tired of politics, the world is sick and tired of everything else. So it was literally just a form of, like, escapism and it was, like, a form of, like, entertainment, not, like, less art and more entertainment. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to entertain people and almost, like, like give them laugh, make them laugh, make them, like, think, be, like, and then also give them, like, cheap thrills, like, the way I deliver things, try to make things sound exciting and stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, and then also this year, you've been a busy man. Uh, you dropped relatively recently, I think, the single Paro, which... Yes back and has some of that brilliant wordplay we chatted about earlier it seems to be feel free to tell me if i've taken up the wrong way it seems to be like a song about like sort of stress and difficulty is that what where did that come from was that sort of motivated by the sort of goings on this year or what inspired that track oh no no no. that was um, a song about um me oh and um a cousin of mine like one of my family members um I call him my cousin. He's not even my cousin. He's actually just a friend that I grew up with, and I just we just called each other cousins. <laughs> yeah, um, all of them. Um, <laughs> and obviously, um, we were just talking about the way things go down, and um, it was obviously something that m- must have happened that we must have saw in the news, and that he saw in the news, and I saw in the news, and um, because of it we went back and forth about it like but like constantly and then it eventually led into like us breaking down each other's like life decisions and life choices in a way each of us chooses to live our lives right and um at the end of it all after we'd stopped like bickering and all and it was all calmed down and like the smoke had settled i was like yo are you sure about the way you're living your life and all and then that led to a whole you know different thing and then, um, yeah, it was like, right, okay, sweet. He was like, just leave it be, and then that type of thing. So, like, like I, like I will tell you now, like, um, ninety percent of um all of my music, all, the, all, the, all of the stories you hear on my music, are like uh, based on real life, my own experiences, and then the other ten percent will be like stories where it's like my friends come have, have come to tell me a story and it's been such a, like an amazing story that i've decided to tell it as if it was told from my perspective so yeah i like that that's very cool 
we are coming towards the end because we <laughs> I'm so conscious we've 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 been uh, we've had you here for so so long <laughs> but I want to ask you uh, just right. you have a new track obviously coming out now in December um Black Moon are you able to tell us anything about that um other than it's obviously going to be fucking brilliant I it's it's uh di- mm, <laughs> it's different it's a, it's a little bit different in terms of production to anything I've had before. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I suppose then just before we start to um, wrap up, you've, we've talked about throughout, like, you know, your different sounds and the Act 2 stuff, and as you said, Black Moon's going to be something different again. Yeah. What, what would you say, maybe this is a bit of a difficult question, uh, but like what track, if for someone who'd never heard you before, what would you say is the track that best exemplifies you as an artist or your sound? And, and why? I would say Freeform Dreadlock Champion mm-hmm. because it shows my that it shows it's the biggest like what like singular display of like a large chunk of like my skill set and what I'm able to do and like in terms of like my word with, with, with the use of my words musically and in like in the art form of hip hop, like there's storytelling, there's like social commentary, there's analysis, there's um, um, there's also like um, like self consciousness as well as like political consciousness on that. And then um, you know, I I I touch on race, I touch on religion, I touch on um, so many different things. So yeah, so freeform dreadlock champion. Okay, good pack. I have a question for you. What does the what does the future hold for Leo Miyagi? Like, what is the what's what's next after we get out of this fucking pandemic and this lockdown and all this bullshit? Well, what's on the horizon? Hopefully, a few festival performances, uh, a full length uh, LP instead of an EP this time um, in twenty twenty one, and um, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, if things go right, I need 101, you know, dominoes to fall perfectly into place for this to happen. I would like a full show mini tour um, to, you know, uh, promote the release of this new full-length LP. Um, I plan for it to be fully studio recorded, mixed, mastered, and run through analog, digitally, everything. Brilliant. So suppose we're at the end and um, we're going to ask you or we're going to ask you we're going to ask you a question that we ask everybody that um, that comes in to chat to us. The very end result. Um, so the question we're going to ask is uh, if if you yourself were to be represented by a drink whether an alcoholic beverage or otherwise mm-hmm. what would that drink be? Rybina. What? <laughs> that was immediate. We usually have an example. What would you say Rybina? <laughs> yeah. Immediate. That's grand. We usually had real humming in hand. Why Ribena? What what say, what says Ribena to you? Or about Bro, you? Like it's like like I have a ritual, and everybody knows about this ritual. Well, actually, I don't know if everybody knows. Like, there's people who know about this ritual, and it's like a bottle of Heineken uh-huh. and a bottle of Ribena before, during, and after I'm on stage, and oh. I'll give you the put best representation of myself on stage you'll ever get ever 
I love it, man. I love it. I love it. What, is it the purple Ribena or is it any particular flavor? Yep. Yep. The, the, the original, the original purple black currant Ribena. Sweet, man. Sweet. Brilliant. I'm also a big fan of Heineken, so I've got to love that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so before we go, please tell everybody where they can find you, your socials, uh, where they can listen to your music. Um, you guys can find me at Leo Miyagi. That's L-E-O-M-I-Y-A-G-E-E on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and also Spotify. Yeah, and also my music is available on every single um, audio platform, online, Tidal, Apple Music, Amazon, whatever. So yeah, please tune in and uh, hope you enjoy the show. Copy this. Brilliant. And your next... Uh, releases that Black Moon, which should actually be out, but Hendrix goes out. Uh, Black Moon, and that uh, drops next uh, Friday, December fourth, um, which should be out. Yeah, as you said, when it's dropped. Brilliant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you, Leo. Yeah, Leo. Thank you very, very much indeed, dude. And uh, we look forward to seeing what the future has to hold for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much. And that was, of course, Leo Miyagi. Leo is, was fantastic. He was indeed, mm-hmm. was indeed. In crack, very insightful conversation. Without a shadow of a doubt. It's uh, sort of, you know, every single time we do these, I keep saying, you know, I want to go and I really wish we could do this in person. But I think that me and you would get over, Leo, would have a, would, we'd, we'd skull a few pints or Heineken, as he said. Heineken. You know, I, I love Heineken, he loves Heineken. Well, I, mean, I he, you know. not, could live without Heineken, but Ribena. Oh, give me Ribena. <laughs> strawberry Ribena, no, strawberry Ribena. Oh, man. Ah. <laughs> the fuck? I'm with yeah. me, but what the fuck? But yeah, um, yeah, that was Leo. That was the crack, and that's that's really us for this week. Um, as Leo said, you can find him on all such relevant social medias, Instagrams, uh, Twitters. Check him out. Keep an eye out. His new track, Black Moon, should be out when you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Go check him out on Spotify. His most recent release include that EP we discussed, Act 2, Big Walk, and all his other tracks and albums, all good stuff all the way back. And you can definitely see how he's come along as an artist and just really come into his own. Mm-hmm. And hopefully when this is all over, we can see him live and our wonderful listeners can see him, check him out somewhere as well. Without a doubt. I was raging. I'd love to have seen him at that Ultra Sports Club one of the deal. And we Sound of Belfast, that closed set thing. It was so very good, cool. Man. A lot of that Sound of Belfast stuff was very cool. We'll, we'll put some of that up as yeah, well. We'll maybe, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was Leo. Uh, wonderful guy, wonderful music. Check him out. Mm-hmm. If people want to check us out, Jack, where would they look? You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram at You Ain't Heard Nothing Yet. You can find myself and Sean both on Facebook as well, our personal accounts. Send us a message, of course, we will reach out. You can find me on Instagram as well, JackieD123. You can go and uh, read Sean's blog at The Project Sean Ist. Uh, it's very good. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on there as well. And um, where else can you find us? You can find Sean at the address of no. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're assuming you're already listening to this on one of the many audio and video platforms mm. we are on uh, of course apple Podcasts, spotify google podcasts uh youtube but we're still kind of working through a backlog and putting them all up on youtube <laughs> because our <laughs> shitty laptops take a long time to render those uh, files out yeah, shuts down the wi-fi for <laughs> everybody else in the game thanks the whole thing <laughs> um i think that's all of them isn't it? that's the one yeah so that's us um that was leo miyagi he is jack donnelly i am indeed and the gentleman sitting opposite me with uh, the stains all over his shirt, as there's we one, said earlier. One. I one. mean, realistically, I mean, blame me for it. Like, I mean, and I've got a date after this too, for fuck's sake. Uh, data, I says that. <laughs> <laughs> date with myself and a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Is, of course, a wild Sean excuse. And you've been listening to... You ain't heard nothing yet. yet.